You're listening to a Corridor Business Journal podcast. It's time for straight talk about diversity, frank questions, honest answers, and real insights. It's Diversity Straight Up, brought to you by Green State Credit Union, with your hosts, Sadika Bodka of Nikea Diversity Consulting and Anthony Arrington of top-ranked professional and executive search firm. Diversity Straight Up, brought to you by Green State Credit Union, is a Corridor Business Journal podcast. On today's episode, Jennifer Bennett, president of Shive Hattery, architecture, engineering, and design firm. Uh, many of us had a parent who uh, we were able to see and, and see ourselves in that role. I can do that job. But how about if, if somebody's growing up in a family and in a community where they don't have that modeled at all? You know, there's no architect or engineer they're connected to. So how do we attract, how do we get over that hurdle? We'll be right back. Green State Credit Union is proud to sponsor Diversity Straight Up. Established in 1938, Green State is Iowa's largest financial cooperative serving nearly 250,000 members of all walks of life. Green State's products include checking accounts, loans, investments, insurance, commercial services, mortgages, and credit cards. Profits are returned to members in the form of better rates on deposits and loans. We encourage you to learn more at greenstate.org. Green State is federally insured by the NCUA and is an equal housing opportunity lender. Diversity Straight Up, brought to you by Green State Credit Union, is also sponsored by Alliant Energy. Hello and Happy New Year. Welcome to another episode of the Corridor Business Journal's Diversity Straight Up podcast. I'm Sadiq Abakta. And I'm Anthony Arrington. We're looking forward to hanging out with you for a little while. We appreciate you tuning in. Gonna have a great show today. Uh, we're gonna have some real conversation and some real talk. Always keeping it real. That's right. I have something on my mind, Anthony. There's something on my mind. What do you got on your mind, Sarah? What's on your mind? I can't be serious when you ask me like that. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> What's on your mind? Well, today is inauguration day. Me, I was born in Gujarat, India, one of the largest democracy, India came to being raised in the second largest democracy, America. However, never in my wildest dreams would I ever imagine having a woman leader, a VP woman, someone who's Indian or half Indian like me, and an individual who is making waves. Yeah. I grew up in America in places that there was no other Indians. And so being able to see someone in a leadership position, I've always thought that representation if you can connect with someone, they can still help you go a long ways. But it really hit me that representation does matter. Yeah, it does. And you're right. I'm, I'm excited about that. I woke up today kind of feeling the same way. You know me. I, I get uh, pretty animated sometimes around political issues. But No, you don't. To, nah, never. <laughs> never, never. But, you know, it's um, as a black man growing up in America, obviously seeing Obama was, was a beautiful thing. But given the environment, in our country and globally, um, to see what happened in 2020 and to watch those individuals win and to watch Kamala win. And it's funny, I went and dug out my yellow shirt, my campaign shirt, ah. because I wasn't sure who I was picking. And, and when they, she came to Cedar Rapids the first time, it was when I decided I'm rolling with her. So when she didn't get the nomination and then got picked, I was like, yeah, I'm busting out my yellow shirt again. 
Kamala for the people. But it, it's good. I, I was a, um, it's a refreshing feeling, given what we've been challenged with. So it's really interesting. I think you might, you and I may have talked about this before. That sometimes when individuals uh, identify President Obama, they identify him as the first black president. Mm-hmm. He's biracial as well. Mm-hmm. But it was always first black president. Yep. And here with our VP Kamala Harris, right. they're saying half black and half Asian or right. half. I mean, you know me. I'm yep. really about the nationalities. So yeah. Asian is a big hodgepodge. So, right. however you want to connect and resonate, but it's really interesting. President Obama, first black. Right. And when it came to the VP here, half and half. Right. And so, that's it's, really interesting. It is. It's, it's, an, it's around history. Uh, it's around American history and Caucasian history and the notion that if you have a drop of blood in you that's from anybody black you're black it's been that way for eons in this country and it's it's set a tone in the country and and a lexicon and a conversation and it's always been that way between black and white right if you're mixed my my kids i'm married to a white woman my kids are biracial they identify as black um so is it with the black and white but but not with black and Indian or black right. and anything else? It's right. just really black and white? Right, historically, okay. right? Now, I'm, no, I'm not the expert, but I'm saying historically that's how it's been. And that's why you will always hear when you've got biracial children, typically they're identified as, as black. So whether or not they identify, that's, whether a, or not they identify, that's a key right. question, yeah, though, how exactly. they identify. Yeah. Well, we can go on a lot about uh, yeah. these topics. That's what's on our mind. Yeah. But I, we have a great guest yeah. here today that we'd love to be able to hear what's on yeah. our guest's mind. Yeah, let's talk to her. Let's bring her in. What's on our guest's mind? Just a little bit about Jen here. As president of Shive Hattery, it's a leading architecture, engineering, and interior design firm. Jen is responsible for the overall leadership, strategic planning, culture, vision, and direction of current and future operations. Jen joined the design firm in 2003 and has 25 years of experience of client service, talent development, and market growth. She has a structural engineering background and previously served as the vice president and office director of Shive Hattery's Quad Cities location. Yay, yay, that's my old stomping. Now we've got here her here in this region, but welcome Jen. We're so excited to be able to have you here. Um, We obviously have learned a little bit about um, your uh, professional background, which we're going to go into a little bit more, but can you tell and share with our uh, listeners a little bit more about your personal background? Sure, sure. So I, uh, I'm an Iowa native. I was raised in the Quad Cities um, and uh, as as many women engineers are, I had a dad who was an engineer. If you ask women in my generation, uh, what brought them into engineering? Oh, interesting. <laughs> often, often they've got a parent with uh, who is an engineer. So, That's uh, anyway, uh, mom was a teacher. Grew up in um, in Bettendorf and uh, went to University of Illinois to pursue engineering school. Had uh, there hey, you hey. go. You finally got to know. We finally got to know. Shambana, U of I. Are um, you a U of I grad? I am. Oh, Are you? I didn't know that. I am. I am. Oh, this is something in hot country, Jen. We'll have to talk about. Yeah, oh, I know. She, she doesn't hear that much. You see the, the hair parked up there, right? <laughs> I just say, when someone asked me, I just say U of I. Iowa, Illinois, <laughs> Indiana, they can just go down the row. That's right. That's right. It's all U of I. Uh, so, so graduated from, from Illinois. Yeah, mm-hmm. came back to the Quad Cities to work. Um, and then I found my way to Shive Hattery in 2003. And in 2003, I had uh, three boys, uh, all under the age of four. Uh, and it was, you know, those were some some 
crazy busy years. So 2003, that's when you started. Uh huh. Did you start full time, part time? So I came to Shy Battery uh, because because I was an there was an opportunity there for me to work part time and still have a very meaningful career. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it was a it was a meaningful position with responsibility. Uh, and and just saw a path where I could manage the busyness of my life in the short term, mm-hmm. and and still progress my career. Uh, it was a, it was a rare thing. Yeah. Uh, Twenty years ago. Yes, and that's so, why I asked because I know you said back in two thousand three you had uh, four children, two, three three, three children, boys, three boys, three, three rambunctious the, boys. <laughs> I just added one for you, didn't I? Uh-huh. <laughs> three added to on. four. Uh-huh. You had uh, three children that were under the age of four. Hence, it prompted me asking, was it part time, full time? Because yes. you said it was a lot. So let's talk a little bit about this. We know that, and when we talk about diversity and talent, we always say the part-time, full-time, that is diversity in your composition. Mm-hmm. However, in reality, a lot of times, and we see this across all industry sectors, right, Anthony, yeah, that many yeah. times part-time talent is not um, looked upon as favorably, mm-hmm. nor are they at times given some meaningful um, opportunities, as you indicated in your case, you did. Mm-hmm. Let's talk a little bit about part-time, full-time, knowing that right now with COVID, we're seeing a lot of individuals assess their professional aspirations and balancing home, family. Mm-hmm. And I want you to just talk a little bit from your experience. So I can tell you a little bit about my own story and then what I hear from uh, in, out in our community and our uh, from our, our, our leaders inside of Shive Hattery as well as outside of Shive Hattery, because uh, I think we're missing an opportunity. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, I started, so I started in Shive Hattery in 2003. I was a part-time structural engineer. Um, I had found a passion for engineering in our industrial sector. I really liked working with our industrial clients, and and uh, I had a blank slate in our Quad Cities office. It, it did not have a big industrial presence at the time, and uh, I had a, a leader at the time that said, just go get it. Uh, it it's all yours. How nice. Uh, do what you yeah, want. Yeah. So um, I had the opportunity to build our, you know, a good structural and engineering industrial practice uh, while working part time. I was just going to say, like working part time, mm-hmm. you got this opportunity. And, I, you know, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. It was uh, insane busy uh, with with the boys and um, the fast deadline paced world that is uh, architecture and engineering. Uh, so it was it it was not without its challenges, but what I see so many times, uh, and this disproportionately affects women, but it affects both men and women, um, is that people give up, right? Mm-hmm. They give up at that very hard, difficult time in their life, whether it's it's when their kids are very young or, or mm-hmm. where they're going through uh, a major life change, health, uh, and and when they cannot work full time. Right. And then and then they leave the workforce or just change careers and it's it's heartbreaking to see. And it's such an opportunity for us as as leaders to yeah. you know, if we're willing to um maybe challenge our thoughts about mm-hmm. what part time looks like mm-hmm. and uh invest in in our part time people. Right. Uh that that great things can come out of that. Well you're you're a shining example obviously of somebody that's gone from part-time mm-hmm. to full-time within the same company and, and sure. you were allowed opportunities to do that and it, obviously you blew up quad cities with your sales skills i'm sure um on, on that note you obviously 
you, you had a long, I mean, you had a trajectory from part-time to now president in a space that's dominated by men. Mm-hmm. Um, and so can you, can you talk to us about your personal stories or your personal experiences coming through the ranks and some of the barriers of being a woman? So I entered the workforce in 1995. Uh, it's quite a while ago and very different environment. Mm-hmm. However, I've, I've been fortunate in my employer that uh, I did not, re- you know, I wasn't the recipient of uh, harassment um, or feeling like my gender held me back with my employer. Mm-hmm. Out on a construction site, totally different story. Yeah. I think that still uh, can be a problem today, mm-hmm. but it was a huge problem in 1995. and. I had to develop some really thick skin, yeah, um, and and great mentors, and I think that's uh, that's one of the things that has helped me in my career uh, is that I have always sought out and found great for me great male right. mentors. You, right. You know, you mentioned earlier that you said you know sometimes employers juggling multiple pressures mm-hmm. and they give up. As as a woman in that space, I got to imagine on occasion some of that pressure is just being female. So mm-hmm. were there any trigger points throughout your career that pushed you to the brink that you might have wanted to quit? You uh, know, and because of treatment or because of environment, culture, as, being in that space? Well, went, to out, went out too many times in the construction field and got... <laughs> <laughs> well, I did intern. I did my internships in the construction okay. field and learned really quickly so that, that, that that is not where I wanted to spend my time. At that time, it was uh, not a great place for women to be. And and while I really appreciate the women who were trailblazers in that field, that was a very difficult environment mm-hmm. to be in. As far as wanting to, you know, in, in the consulting world, uh, feeling like I needed to give up, that was really about everything else going on in my life. Mm-hmm. Uh, and when, uh, you know, the kids were young and I was working to fit in, you know, I was working with clients that I just really wanted to give great client service too, right? It was very important to me and mm-hmm. in this deadline world. So I would be working, trying to juggle these kids, go into the office on my days in the office and then come home and, and take care of the kids. Um, and then log back in at night and maybe work till two or three in the morning. And, yeah. and there were times when it was just so overwhelming that I, I wanted to quit. And what I, uh, what I was always encouraged to think about is that this is a season, right? This is a season for me. And then the season will end and, you know, and change. Mm-hmm. When we put a lot of stock in work being our identity, if we don't feel as if we're successful, then we think we've failed per se. That makes mm-hmm. it hard if we know that we need to give our time to certain seasons. That means if it's giving time to our young children because they need us at that time more. Mm-hmm. I've had a lot of friends and associates and colleagues that made that tough decision mm-hmm. to step back because they felt that as a woman, as a mom, they, were, they weren't being a good mom. Right. And I don't know if it's part of how our upbringing in terms of us being the caretakers or these gender roles that we have been um, ingrained in us. I think about my dad in a very patriarchal culture, it wasn't really ingrained in terms mm-hmm. of being the caretaker. Mm-hmm. So are those gender roles that we have been ingrained that we subscribe to, I guess? You know, I think that's part of why this is this issue is disproportionately affecting women. Um, in my case, uh, my husband was very supportive and took a very active role in raising our children. 
but he he had a very unique work schedule. He was a firefighter. He worked 24 hours on. He worked 48 hours off. Mm-hmm. Almost an impossible schedule to find daycare around. Uh, so, so it was just a part of making our lives work yeah. at the yeah. time, right? It's what we, it's what we had in front of us, and and uh, it was just part of making our lives work. But I I do feel like uh, women probably still feel the burden of being that nurturer, caretaker, primary caregiver with kids often. Mm-hmm. I, I see it in, certainly in, yeah. in our industry. Staying in that industry, you mentioned it's a season. That's how you kind of mm-hmm. mentally coped with those challenges of juggling family and, and friends. I, I'm curious about prior to becoming a CEO, your upbringing, you mentioned that your father, your father was really what got you into engineering. Mm-hmm. Can you talk about any times as a youth or growing up um, wanting to be an engineer? Were there any moments in school or, or in college where somebody said something tried to derail you from that? When did it click? And, and yeah, when, oh, and did anybody derail me? Uh, no, they didn't. You're a CEO. <laughs> <laughs> did anybody try? We want the other women to understand what you did. Yes. Um, it clicked sometime. It was pretty late for me, sometime in high school. Math and science were always uh, strong for me, mm-hmm. uh, but I didn't know quite what I wanted to do with those until right. some point in high school. My dad was guest lecturing at University of Illinois, and I went I went with him. Mm-hmm. Uh, it happened to be the week they had their engineering open campus huh. uh, and, and an open house where the engineering students all showed off the projects and mm-hmm. I was able to walk around and say, hmm, this feels good. This feels like it's what I want right. to do. I, it probably happened somewhere around freshman, sophomore year. Mm-hmm. Um, I do remember my school counselor at the time just discouraging that, discouraging my choice in schools. How number one at the time, number one civil engineering school in the in the country, discouraging my choice from school and just, are you sure that's what you want to do? That's a really hard field. Uh, a straight A student in math mm-hmm. and science, so I, you know, where was that coming from? Is that is that some bias? Right. Had, Did you so. ask why no, she said? No, no. Was it she? It was a he. It was a he. Okay. Right. It was, it was a, a he. he. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, I I didn't ask at the time, but uh, didn't didn't let it affect me, and right. I was very stubborn. Mm-hmm. Still am. <laughs> yeah. And and just carried that through. Even though it didn't affect you, obviously it didn't. Yeah. But do you? Does it stick in the back of your mind when you think about your career and you think about other women at, yeah, at Shive? Sure. Obviously, what would they do yeah, if they well, heard that message? Uh-huh. Um, and it's and a school counselor. I'm this sure it's just the looking for guidance. first thing out of his mouth, right? Mm-hmm. Well, why would you do that? Uh, oh. and, and some part of back right. of his brain, he thought that was weird yeah. for me. And I think we need to be careful with those words mm-hmm. uh, when we're in those positions. Right. Absolutely. Alliant Energy is a place where I can create the future, where my skills, creativity, and new ideas make a better tomorrow. I help deliver the energy powering moments that matter to you. It's where we care about the environment and our neighbors, a place where my talents and skills grow. My job isn't a job, it's my passion, my place, my purpose, because I am energy. See how you can put your energy to work at AlliantEnergy.com slash careers. Yeah, very important, I think, to be careful in our words, and especially when we're in that supervisor mentorship position that yeah. we need to really encourage our people to, to build their own career path, right? Try a lot of things, mm-hmm. um, try it all out, and then, and then we, I can help you gravitate to, or I can help you be successful right. whatever you gravitate towards. Yeah. 
that's why I think it's so important to have mentors yep. and not just mentors like us, but for me, uh, my, my, the mentors who were men were very important in my journey. I was going to ask you that because we were talking offline and I, I said, I think I want to know, you know, as a, as a woman in a, in a leadership position as, that's in a field primarily dominated by men, where does, where does Jen go for mentorship or mm-hmm. su- support? Um, do you ever feel like I wish I had more female support at my level or do, what, when you're stressed and you need to talk to somebody or be developed, what do you do? Um, when I'm stressed... Uh, it, it depends what I'm stressed about. My, my, of course, my husband is a great sounding board. But when it's a work issue, um, throughout my career, I have always sought out great sounding boards mm-hmm. and mentors, and they change throughout my career. And sometimes they're clients, yep. uh, sometimes they're internal, sometimes it might be a uh, somebody out in our community that I've right. met in the business community, um, and and that's been great for me to get a different perspective. Mm-hmm. That's really uh, key, mentorship, especially when you're thinking about advancement and helping you navigate through life. That mentorship is so key. It's different than coaching. Mm -hmm. Mentorship is a dual respectful relationship Mm -hmm. that is a benefit to both. Mm -hmm. What give if you can give some uh, advice to our listeners, what to look for in a mentor? You identified a few things in terms of, depending on what the situation is, but it takes time to build mentorship in terms of relationships mm-hmm. so that you can go to them. And you have multiple mentor- mentors at one time, Jen? Is that what I'm hearing? Oh, or, sure. Okay. Sure. And, and, you know, we go to different people for different things. Mm-hmm. Um, so for me, I looked, I looked for people who could help me navigate whatever tough, tough issues I, were dealing, mm-hmm. I was dealing with at the time. So... Um, you know, in a client, it might be, help me navigate this political environment here. What am I not seeing? You know, if I, I was meeting resistance with something, mm-hmm. you know, here's here's what I'm seeing. Here's what I'm feeling. Uh, what do you think? Right. Uh, and, and just to try and get a different perspective. I think that's the key with mentorship. It's a, it allows you to have a, get a different perspective. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, as long as we're just not seeking out people just like us. Right. Um, yep. It brings in that different perspective yeah. and we start to challenge uh, maybe our perceptions right. and um, the things yeah. that... I think it's important, even as leaders, anybody in the company, we, we talk about what diversity looks like in a company. Sometimes it's not always something you can see physically, but mm-hmm. the, the issue is, or the challenge that we give to uh, our clients and and their employee, employees is to think differently, try to think outside the box. Mm-hmm. Go to lunch with somebody you've never met before in the in the workplace you pass them every day in the hallway maybe say hi and sit next to them in the cafeteria things like that what tips can you give to listeners in terms of when you're looking at identifying a mentor i think that's a value that i think i want to just be able to unpeel a little bit more what do you look for in a mentor um so one i look for somebody who's strong in something i want to grow in um i look for somebody who can Navig- who navigates something well that I am struggling in. Um, it, and it, you know, as I grow and I stretch, that that thing changes. So it might be, um, you know, I can remember a time I was on, uh, earlier in my career, I was on Plan and Zone Commission for the city of Bettendorf, and I can remember uh, 
some very, very controversial things we had in front of us. And there was a Plan and Zone Commission member that was just so amazing at taking this room full of angry, upset people who were just hurling insults and, and just very negative energy in the room. And he was good with just a few sentences, calming the room and, and just restarting a very respectful and conversation so that we could hear each other. Uh, that I gravitated to that right away. Mm-hmm. How I want to learn from you. How did how do you do that? Um, so it, I guess it just depends. Yeah. Uh, you know, seek out seek out people who are who help you fill in some of the gaps that you have. Uh, today we've got somebody. I, I've got a mentor who's extremely analytical when it comes to things, and it you know I, as a leader. You have to balance the analytical mm-hmm. and the strong people skills. So when I'm, when I want a pers- different perspective, I'll often reach out to this person, and and he'll maybe help me see it in a way that I, I don't currently see it, mm-hmm. and then and then we'll. Thank you. Can change my perspective. Yeah. So thank you for sharing those mm-hmm. tips because I think it's so valuable. From, from a mentorship perspective to have that as part of your professional trajectory as well as your personal um, trajectory as well. Mm-hmm. Just because when you're thinking about life and um, work and life, not a balance, it's really, I would say it's integrated. Some call it work-life blending, some work-life right. balance, mm-hmm. work-life it's, integration. However you look at it, it's hard to keep it separate per se. Mm-hmm. I remember um, one mentor that I had, 80-year-old white man, Yes. I was 20, 21, 22. I literally out of college. And he was my mentor because I interned with him. And he was a founding president and CEO of the National Council for Adoption. Mm-hmm. And um, I learned so much from him. He yeah. gave me so many opportunities as well. And that's why I always look at mentors that are different than me. I want something different. Mm-hmm. And when yes. you had said, I want them to help yeah. fill a gap, Yes, it, it helps really, you grow and stretch and 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 learn. Yeah. Thank you. So, so you're a, obviously a, a leader in a male-dominated field, and, mm-hmm. and just moving moving into your new role as CEO. Congratulations! Thank as you. you're getting your new CEO position. She's a rock star. <laughs> um, what keeps you up at night? She's blushing um, over here. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what, as you, what what keeps Jen up at night as you think about your position as a as a as a female CEO of such a large company with over 400 people what what keeps Jen up at night um so this is you know this is a tough period of time to ask that if you'd asked me that six months ago it's it's uh, diversity you know, straight up so yeah. we just kind of ask it yeah. <laughs> <laughs> keeping it real yeah. Yeah. That, yeah. Was, that was very much focused on survival right mm-hmm. um, what is going to happen as we go through this pandemic and and how is that going to affect our people and its survival of the company and making those decisions today uh i think we're pretty much through at least the hard part hopefully something else doesn't happen the hard part of this recession at least for the aec industry um architecture engineering construction uh, i think we're through the the pit so uh, prior to that and going forward uh, one of our largest uh challenges is attraction and retention of talent Mm -hmm. um that is it's everything in our industry. We are consultants, we're we're a professional service firm, uh, and it has been an incredible challenge in the last five years with um, shortages. And and, uh, 
diversity diversity is also so important as we go forward um and 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 i think those two things are related Um, i was just going to ask you this that when you're thinking about talent attraction retention Mm -hmm. what could your industry do to attract you know talent um that is diverse because we said that you want to be able to look at the differences fill in the gaps if you have a very homogenous you know workforce with any industry and even if the ace industry how is that going to be a benefit to markets you want to tap into right and as consultants we know there's a global world now and especially with technology we've seen that we Mm -hmm. can really take it to the next level in terms of a growth perspective Mm -hmm. so what do you think the your industry the ace industry could do more to be able to you know attract diverse talent and i know you said women is one area I, and then race, ethnicity, LGBTQ yes, yeah. plus community. Yeah, we've done a great job. Uh, we've done much better in the last 20 years attracting women uh, to our industry, not necessarily retaining women. That's, mm-hmm. you know, if you look, we're doing a terrible job retaining women in our industry. Um, people of color, it's, it's, we're doing a horrible job with uh, attraction in, mm-hmm. in AEC. We, we don't have enough people entering school. Right. I think that's, you know, that's a multifaceted, that starts early, that starts young, that starts with all of yeah. those uh, guidance counselors and all of these people yeah. who are mentoring and training uh, uh, women. For women, uh, most of us in my generation, as I said, had a dad mm-hmm. who was an engineer. I, I've tried this many times, you know, women in their 30s and 40s, uh, ask him, you know, what 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 encouraged them right. to go in? And they had a parent. Mm-hmm. Uh, many of us had a parent who uh, we were able to see and and see ourselves in that role. I can do that job. Right. But how about if if somebody's growing up in a family and in a community where they don't have that modeled mm-hmm. at all? You know, there's no architect or engineer they're connected to. So how right. do we attract? How do we get over that hurdle? I think that's a big hurdle our industry to yeah. get over. Well, that's really interesting because you said you have a dad that um, was an engineer, so that uh-huh. representation was important. In uh, my community, the Indian community, my husband's an engineer. Mm-hmm. My, a lot of my friends are engineers. Yeah. So, I, so it's the opposite for me. Oh. Growing up, it's like being a doctor, engineer, lawyer was mm-hmm. what was touted as the thing. So oh. there's so many that go in that profession just because that's almost as if looked upon very favorably. Uh-huh. That if you go and veer into any other liberal arts, which is me, I'm always doing something <laughs> different that shouldn't. But so uh, it was a little bit different there. Mm-hmm. It was almost like a expectation. Mm-hmm. And or if uh, maybe not even an expectation, it's drilled into you in terms of the science, technology, engineering, math, not saying it's a bad thing, right. but that almost maps their career. And I have conversations with friends that said, well, if I could really do what my passion was, it's not what they're working at right now. That's sad to me. That is it really is sad. sad. Yeah. Not to say that they don't like what they're doing, but if their passion isn't aligned, right. how do they get into that career path? I'm glad for you, your career path matched your passion in terms of yes. your dad right. exposed you to it, mm-hmm. which you liked and you're passionate about it. Yeah. Well, yeah, you had your dad growing up and, 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 and the, the counselor who questioned you. Oh, sure. Um, I imagine that drove you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there was a little bit of, I'll show you. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> Do you feel it's it's interesting as a so as a we often say this uh, you know and it's a fact actually in the, in the black community, um, particularly with black men that yeah. we have to work harder. I have to work twice yeah. as hard. I yeah. have to work three times as hard because all I need to do is slip once, and I'm 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 
making it difficult for myself and, and the, the black people who follow me. Right? Yeah. Um, how do you feel as, as, a, as a woman uh, in, in those situations? And how do you, as you think about that, um, are you a, do you feel as if you're a trailblazer for women? Did you feel growing up in high school and in math that you had to work twice as hard? Did it, did it ever, did you ever think about those things as you tr- moved through your career? Not in high school, definitely through my career. I always yeah. felt a huge burden that I, I can't slip, yeah. right? I can't, I have to be on my A game all the time because everybody's watching. Yeah. Uh, everybody's watching to see if, if this is going to work, yep. if, if, if I can do this. Yeah. So, Certainly. And then I feel, I've always felt burdened for those that come behind me. I was going to ask, how do you, do you feel that you're carrying a heavy burden sometimes? Some, sure. Sometimes. Yeah. I think, you know, when, whenever we're in a position where we're trying to change culture or in a position where we have an opportunity to change right. culture, uh, that is a, that is a bit of a burden, mm-hmm. right? There's a, there's a pressure there. I, I must succeed at this right. for others. Yeah. It gets hard. It, you know what? When you were saying that, Changing culture takes time. It's transformational. Mm -hmm. It takes time. Patients may not be there for individuals because they want overnight results. But I was also thinking about um, shattering the glass ceiling, Mm -hmm. shattering or breaking the bamboo ceiling that for some women, there's because of additional intersectionalities they have, it compounds in terms of them having to shatter the glass ceiling. I say breaking the bamboo ceiling as right. a Indian woman, part of the Asian community, <laughs> mm-hmm. that um, I have leaders, you know, that may look like Jen. Right. Then you have individuals that also, you know, have other intersectionality. Jen may have them as well. I don't want to assume or presume, but sometimes others are a little bit more visible. Yep. And it's, that makes it much more harder. So you're right. If you slip once, is a representative of the rest of uh, the individuals right. behind you. Right. And I hope that doesn't percolate, but the reality is there are biases that exist that um, unconsciously people may think that. Yep. Yeah. So I do want to kind of go back to the retention piece. You said that in this industry, attracting women, you're doing much better, but retention has been so challenging. Mm-hmm. What do you think can be of help? to be able to retain them? And what could that look like in terms of even a career advancement and career mapping perspective? Right. Uh, well, you know, I think, I think the part-time, I think the part-time thing can help a lot of women. You mm-hmm. know, what we see is a lot of women leave this industry, um, especially in architecture, uh, when their children are young. Um, and I, you know, that's, I, I don't know what it's like in other industries if we're seeing that same trend, but um, it is, heartbreaking to me because this is such a great place mm-hmm. uh, for women we're we're creative and we love to solve problems and build communities and and um it, it has been such a rewarding and meaningful career in the end and it's just heartbreaking for me to see people give up do you, do you think most do you think most of the turnover in the industry is due to that that midlife having having children childbearing or or do you think it's uh, i can't handle the the male culture that you know I'm, there may be a little bit of 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 that as well mm-hmm. you know and, and every culture is different i'm sure there are still firms yeah. out there that are oh, very yeah. uh that are still very um old school mm-hmm. i'll just say that yep <laughs> well, I think, um, and that's the right way to say yeah yeah so i think whether it's for family planning that you need to um take a different focus or at least time 
to focus on that or caregiving role because if you're in a sandwich generation you've got Mm -hmm. younger and um, the elder generation that you have to take care of or if you just want to go and further yourself from a growth perspective and go back to school for whatever those reasons individuals if they want to you know go to part-time what do you think would be good solutions to help them keep working then so they don't just exit the industry or the workplace well for me um i can speak to my own personal experience for me it was having a very flexible uh, employer i worked really hard i met my obligations i met my deadlines i I, you know, as I said, I, I knew I had to succeed in this, right? I was really up. a trailblazer at that time. Mm-hmm. I was r- the only part-time woman in my position <laughs> at, oh, wow. at, at so time. The only I really one. was trailblazing, and I felt a huge responsibility to do that well. So it was a lot of hard work, but it allowed me uh, to meet the needs uh, that I had that day or at that, at that time in my life, in my personal life, and still not put my career on hold totally on hold and we see so many people do that do you think those experiences or or maybe the question is how have you used that experience to help other women that have i imagine you're mentoring other women sure have you used that your experiences to to help them can you talk about that a little bit sure so that's not the case anymore we have all kinds of men and women working Mm part-time um while they're working you know while they're in those uh for me it was the difficult years of of the really young children, and it seems to be common. Right. Um, so there, there's some mentorship there, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a, I have a lot of lot of our people reach out to me, and you know, how do I do this? How do I navigate this? Right. Um, you know, I've got this deadline, and I've got these. Tell me how you did this, right. and and um, so there's that opportunity there. Mm-hmm. I think once you have a couple people that go through it, and and you can see that it really, really works. It it the momentum starts yeah. building. Yeah. So. yeah. So you mentioned flexibility. <laughs> Having the flexibility was a benefit. What else did yeah. your employer do at that time? I, and that was probably shy because that's who. Yes, it was Shive Hattery. So mm-hmm. you were the first part-time talent for Shive Hattery. Yeah, first, first, you know, and, and even then, as I moved through those early years, uh, I had the opportunity to become a group leader, which was my first real leadership position in Shive Hattery. I was still part-time leading people, leading full-time people. Mm-hmm. Uh, so again, you know, they didn't, they did not consider me for that position right. because I was part time. It was about can, does she have the ability to do this mm-hmm. and do this job well, and and not, uh, not well. We won't consider her until she's full time. When you're full time, you can do this, and when you're full time, you can right. do this. So I think that's great. I know we, we've had you know experiences with organizations where individuals have have. Um, have flat out just um, said reasons why they they don't see a lot of women in leadership, and they instantly turn to its um, child rearing, you know, yeah. and, and uh, time. Um, so it's very I, I commend Shive for not thinking that way and thinking outside of the box because here you are and, and now you've trailblazed and created that path for for so many other women in your career. Do do some of do you do you have women at Shive who seek advice? about being a woman in this space all the time all the time we've got great um career coaching programs um and there's just a lot of avenues to Mm -hmm. reach out and i think that's really important um i think that's really important to help develop this culture is to make sure we've got really open network 
yeah. and a really open culture so that people are comfortable seeking out yeah. uh, advice and, and a mentor Absolutely. Well, I've really enjoyed um, yeah. having this kind of conversation about um, diversity in your talent composition and part-time, full-time, something that we hear quite a bit. And so it was really nice to kind of really delve into it. And I know that from what research and data is showing from COVID, we're going to see more and more and more of this. Right. Yes. What advice can you give to individuals that are contemplating that, whatever gender they may be? Mm-hmm. What advice would you give them, Jen? Um, hang in there and, and ask, start, start a conversation with your employer um, before you decide to leave. Uh, I'm very concerned. You know, we've made all this progress, uh, as, at, at least as far as uh, more women in our industry. I'm really concerned in our industry that COVID, right, a lot of people went part-time during COVID to manage school mm-hmm. and kids. and. Yeah. And, you know, they're just struggling to manage life right now. Um, and we've had a couple people say, I-, I can't do this. I can't do my job and and school, right? right? And they're managing school and I need to take a leave of absence. We've had a couple people do that. And, and I think our industry is seeing that across the board. I'm really, really concerned mm-hmm. that those people who left during COVID are not going to come back and yeah. we need them to come back. Yeah. We really need them to come back. So start, if, it, if, if you're in that position, start your conversation with your employer, map out a plan on how you can make this work and, and really start some open mm-hmm. conversation. If you're an employer, maybe challenge the traditional, um, we call it button seat, right? Yeah. Uh, challenge that. Very right? true. Just because somebody's sitting in their seat uh, and you can see them isn't necessarily how you should be adding or measuring the value to the organization. That's a great point. Um, yes. And it, it requires more work, right? Yeah. It requires, you, you have to really start looking at value mm-hmm. and how is this person adding value to my organization? Right. And that, uh, that that takes a lot of conversation. Yeah. Uh, it takes uh, coaching and, and um, uh, a lot of work. Yeah. But it's what we should be doing anyway. It does. I would say, you know, it's uh, positions as leaders, you know, um, the old saying, you know, water flows to the least resistance. And we see a lot of leaders yeah. taking the least resistance instead of putting some sugar in, and making a drink that's flavorful right. and, and better, right. for lack of a better right. term. I like so, your analogy there. Um, it's so good. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> but, you know, we were talking about um, butts in the seat. Yeah. Working from home. Yeah. I know that there's different school of thoughts in terms mm-hmm. of, is there going to be more of that? Are companies, organizations going to start looking at that a little bit more? If they do, it kind of opens up their opportunity from a talent attraction retention perspective to be able to attract more diverse talent so that you don't, they don't have to necessarily be in your own backyard to yes. be able to work as well. Right. But I think about the whole butts in the seat con- conversation. You said that <laughs> working from home is the same concept in the sense that they may not physically see them. Right. So we are going to have to have a different shift when it comes to how are we looking at measuring value in the workplace. Right. And maybe that's because of the old traditional uh, manufacturing days where people are able to clock in, clock out, and you right. see them. Is. And is that really measuring productivity, though, Jen? It is not. It is it, absolutely not. No. It is, and that's that's the challenge, and not to challenge the manufacturing industry, but that's the point. You're not making. We're talking about not human widgets. behavior, yes, and not widgets, yes, and that's a different conversation, right, yeah. right. So we we could we could go on all day. This has been a great <laughs> conversation, and we really appreciate you coming. And, and we've got a couple more segments, but uh, before we we move to the next segment. 
what our listeners are thinking right now. So we have a question here. Um, and we, we, this is a, a great exercise we like to do. We like to take listener questions and then we add input, but we, they want to hear from, from our guests. So um, this is James in Silvis, Illinois. And James says, I had a communications department in my company and I'm getting a lot of, of pressure from leadership about the use of social media and personal accounts by employees who have social positions, various positions. Uh, as a leader, what advice do you have to help me navigate this issue? I think if I happened upon uh, or learned about um, inappropriate social media content of, of somebody that was clearly one of our employees, I think I'd have to sit down and just start with a conversation. Mm -hmm. And and um, you know, it's hard for us when when we are when we when we as an employee are working and part of an organization, we reflect our company values, mm -hmm. right? So that's difficult when you see uh, somebody maybe spewing something on social media that is is contrary to the company values mm -hmm. and our people values. Yeah. Uh, so then I'd, I'd have to sit down and, and, and have a conversation yeah. with that person. Why? why? Yeah. We're <laughs> why big believers in that, and that's I and, think that's important. And, and start there. And, yeah. and really, if somebody is... Um, it would have to be a you know a coaching yeah. it's all about coaching and if, if we've really got somebody that does not reflect our values that's going to affect how they work with our clients and and how uh right. how all of that uh, it's a lot a lot of factors but i think the one thing yeah. you, i appreciated what i heard you say and, and the listeners too would hope you like that answer james um <laughs> sorry it's not an easy one <laughs> but communication i think starting yeah. with a conversation um to at least understand that person's point of view, that right. employee's point of view, before right. you be, uh, before you provide guidance, because yeah. it's easy to just pull out a manual and say, Section Eight B says that you're not supposed to do that. Yeah. You're fired instead of saying, Section Eight right. B says you're not supposed to do that. But I have the authority to have a conversation with right. you to make a decision. Right. Right. And what do other people? You know, what does your client that's reading that think? Mm -hmm. Right. Have you it's thought through all of this? It's a tough balance. Well, thank you, James. And mm -hmm. listeners, continue to please submit uh, your questions, comments, and suggestions to us as we love to hear from you. <laughs> and as you can see, we have. Um, we, we get to get good, good uh, advice out or at least insights and reflections. So please keep them coming. Yes, yes, please. And I think now we're at another piece of the show here. I know oh Jen has already seen this listeners as I've been, <laughs> I had the opportunity to go and uh, do a workplace uh, leadership workshop with her and her uh, dynamic colleagues. So she's already tuned to this, but hopefully you don't get the same question. So do you remember you threw the ball to me and I, I could not catch it? <laughs> Have you been practicing? Not an athlete. <laughs> uh, well, you're not the first one and you won't be the last one. And Anthony knows that I'm horrible at this. And he's, he's just Wait. grateful that it's a soft yeah. ball. It's yeah. called a diversity thumb ball. It's a great icebreaker, right? What did mm -hmm. you think when we did this? Uh, it was great. Yeah. yeah. I had a great conversation. Yeah. Okay. Started some great conversation. Okay, yeah. good. So what it is, it has prompts and questions on it. What we do, we just throw it to someone. They have to read it. And then they have to authentically just, you know, respond to it. Yeah. Even mm -hmm. if it, the answer is, I don't know. That's okay. All right. So we'll just start here. I'm going to make it easy for you. Thank you. <laughs> um, uh, why do you think people seek, tend to seek friends who are similar to them? I, I think that's about comfort. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, we... Uh, 
I think it's, you know, uh, and, and same with, I think it's the same reason we tend to hire people who are like us. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's easy to have that conversation. There's an instant connection. There's some understanding. Yeah. Uh, and you just feel that immediate connection uh, down in your gut. And I that's, that's a scary thing for us. One, because uh, we don't grow. You know, if we surround ourselves with people who are like us, we don't grow. Yeah. And uh, it's really harmful in business. So I've... I've really had to challenge myself uh, in interviews because I, I notice it in interviews when we're interviewing people mm-hmm. and sometimes I'll feel an instant connection, right? Yeah. And I'll think, is that because they're a lot like me or is that for some other reason? And, and uh, yeah. I'll, I'll be honest. Or like I re- champagne yeah. alum, you <laughs> yes. Oh, yes. Yeah. So that connection, there it you happens, go. though. We do that yeah. even on a resume. It is. So no, it's, a human, it's human nature. I, I but, can, but, but yes, it is human nature. But I, I always said that if I find something that I connect with somebody on this resume, by golly, I'm going to go through the rest of them and find something that I like to create that equitable right. playing yes. field. That's, uh, that's how I've been able to have to uh-huh. yep. do this as a way to check my biases. But yep. it's so true. Yeah. But I hope you connect with me even beyond just you yes absolutely <laughs> okay turn. You, you can throw the ball this time All it's right. your turn you to me or anthony or I'll go for anthony <sighs> a time you shared an unpopular idea huh that never happens to you does it ever never never <laughs> um gosh that's a good one i'm trying to think of a covid's had me in the house i haven't had to share ideas with too many people lately um, um you're on the virtual scene yeah um I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with with uh, my outside of workspace. Uh, you know, with uh, I've shared some unpopular ideas in the music studio before. I'm a I'm a huge hip hop fan. <laughs> I like I like to produce music, and I've come up with some some pretty stupid ideas about songs <laughs> and tried to fight through them. But the interesting thing is, when you're working with a group of dynamic musicians, you have a lot of ideas in the room, hence mm-hmm. the diversity. So yeah. while it was unpopular to me, it was unpopular uh, to the the friends I was in the studio with. Um, we ended up using some of those sounds. Oh, there you go. Oh, so it, it was about blending. It come around <laughs> the circle. So I, I've seen that a lot. So, all right, you ready? Oh, it's always that be was good. a tough one for me. I'm usually pretty quick on my feet. Describe an instance when someone went out of their way to make you feel included. You know, as much as we throw these balls, we should know better, shouldn't we? <laughs> I don't sit around reading these and coming up with questions Gosh. ahead of time just to look good exactly. on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, today, Jen, at an event that we went, that we were both at, that mm-hmm. you were a panelist, you came to me and uh, made me feel included right away. Oh, I'm so happy to hear that. And I'm, I'm not brown nosing either, people. Oh, you better stop. <laughs> but We're it was the truth. Right. I was in there, and um, you know, Jen just came right away and um, made me feel included. I like that. It made me feel good. And yeah. um, so, thank you, Jen. Yeah. You're welcome. Thank you for making my buddy you. feel good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I have to work on that, don't I? <laughs> well, we are about wrapping up our segment here today. We want to just ask you, is there anything that um, you want to share with our listeners, something that you had thought of wanting to share, but we haven't got to? Well, 
Gosh, no, I think, but I'm, you know, I'm really excited about, uh, this is, I think, going to be a, a big year of change for us, and I, I'm just really excited about the future right now. I think um, it was a, last year was a tough year yeah. for so many reasons, yeah. and um, just looking forward to moving on, and, and uh, we're certainly seeing things change in the, in the, in the business world, and things starting to pick up, and um, I hope we take the things that we learned through this really rough year we just went uh, through and use it to make us yeah. all better. Did you hear that? She's making change, taking what you learned to make change in 2021. We, we appreciate yeah. those tips. Yes. Yeah. Well, any final advice you would give to our listeners oh, gosh. in terms of helping Other them on that. their equity, diversity, inclusion, and engagement journey? Be, you know, be open. Seek out people. Uh, who are not like you seek out mentors uh, who are not like you and uh, just start open communication start talking to people well you heard it from one of our very own trailblazers this was a great episode we're so happy that you're able to take the time mm. to be able to uh, be here today it's our first um, podcast by the way yes yeah <laughs> well as we say on diversity straight up keeping it real thank you for your time thank you thank you thank you for having thank me thank you thank you to our listeners as we wouldn't be here without your support help us grow our subscriber base by sharing our show with others love this new episode of diversity straight up brought to you by green state credit union then head over to the most popular podcast audio platforms to describe rate and review us and check out our other episodes while you're there catch us on our next episode which drops monthly we'd love to hear from you Hit us up and send your questions, comments, and suggestions to info at diversitystraightup.com. Remember, wherever you live, work, and play, our backyards are increasingly global. It's not enough to simply be a leader. Be a global leader by leveraging diversity with equity, inclusion, and engagement. And share your journey. This may empower others to be bold change agents. Be courageous. Be authentic. Be vulnerable. Diversity Straight Up, brought to you by Green State Credit Union. Keeping it real. You've been listening to Diversity Straight Up, brought to you by Green State Credit Union. Additional support provided by Alliant Energy and the City of Cedar Rapids. For more from the Corridor Business Journal, please visit CorridorBusiness.com. This episode was produced by Joe Coffey of Coffee Grande Studios.